Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to a special episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. In our bonus episodes, we like to shine a light on people who have something amazing to share. And for this special, I enlisted the significant talent of my good friend, Dr. Lizzie Berntel, to talk about eradicating workplace toxicity. Lizzie really brings the thunder to a subject incredibly close to her heart. Enjoy. And a huge Hospitality Meets welcome to one of my great friends, Dr. Lizzie Berntel. How are you? Very well. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. I do know what this is the one of the wonderful things about running this little show is the fact that yes, it's a hospitality podcast, but because it's my own thing, I can kind of chat to whoever I want to. And actually having seen you in action in that, the wonderful collaboration global that we're we both uh, a part of, and the energy that you bring to your subject matter, I just thought, Actually, what you've got to say is very, very relevant for pretty much anywhere that is a workplace. So very welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so just tell the world who you are and what you do. Yes, so um, I'm Rosa Lizzie and I help leaders and uh, particularly business owners, but in all all avenues, including I have worked in hospitality as well, shine up with influence, power and purpose as a leader. And I'm on a mission to end workplace toxicity. And I want to do that through enabling leaders to shine. And therefore, once they own who they are, they own their truest self and find their genius and talents they've already got within them, they grow, they show up, and therefore toxicity is just not tolerated. Well, we've solved it. Thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) So getting rid of toxicity by just not letting it thrive yeah but if we all shine if we all show up as our truest best version of self we just won't tolerate it and therefore it it just has to die yeah no I I love that and I think you know as much as we this is a positive podcast and I'd love to shine a light on the good stuff but it's also important that we do acknowledge that there's still a long way to go and um, that, you know, but if people are aware of it, they can at least deal with it. And I think that's the, um, your your message is one of, of that very much feeds into that. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that in the fullness of the discussion. However, first, I want to take you back because I, I want to, despite the fact that you don't have a hospitality story, as it were, really, really interested to figure out how did you end up talking about this stuff in the first place? Yes. So I spent 25 years in the army as a nursing officer and a midwife. And it was interesting because I loved I loved what I did. I've always been passionate about giving people a voice. So whether it was women having their babies or whether it was patients or whether it was nurses I was mentoring or laterally when I moved into research, into resilience and um, ethical research, it was supporting students and so forth. However... When I was back in the office, even though I was working globally as head of nursing, when I was back in the office, I always seemed to have a tricky boss. Right. And 
And then I thought, hang on a minute, this can't be bad luck here. This is what what am I attracting? Is it me? <laughs> is it just me? Is it me? Or is it the is it the organization? Because the army is an extraordinary organization. I I you know it's the most extraordinary career I've had. And then one day, and it was the 15th of March, 2015, we had a boardroom meeting. And I used to absolutely dread the boardroom meeting. It was, it was top, I didn't see it as toxic, like, because I didn't understand all about toxicity then to the extent I do now. Mm. I just thought it was just like, I wasn't good enough. I could got muddled out my words, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, and most people there also felt the same way. And then the night before the meeting, my boss had undermined me one more time. And I thought, right, I've had enough. And the meeting came and I just had this sort of almost like a spiritual experience. That's all I can describe. I did tell people before the meeting I was going to say something, whereupon they all say, yes, great, fantastic. Because this guy was notorious. Um, so I thought, anyway, the point came and I just stood up and I just said, enough is enough this has to stop and in that process for the first time in my life I truly found my voice right and it was I can only describe as an spiritual experience in the fact that all these words came out of my mouth they were powerful they were confident they were saying how I felt there was no kind of anger animosity or anything it just I spoke whereupon everyone else in the room just suddenly went very embarrassed started looking at their papers and pretended <laughs> they weren't there and actually what that did that writhed me even more to even speak even more and it was at that moment I decided, right, when I leave the army, I'm going to end workplace toxicity because this has to stop. And suddenly all these light bulbs came over and I thought, actually, this is not this is not about me. This wasn't me. It was because I was one of those leaders where, you know, I got the brunt of it because I lacked my own confidence. Even though I was passionate about helping others, people find theirs, actually, I always had this story about I'm not good enough. And then I realised there are loads of other leaders just like me who yeah. have this story from childhood, um, generally, always from childhood, that they're not good enough. So then I decided, knew I, was, knew I was going to leave the army a couple of years later. So I thought, right, I'm naturally realise how much I have coaching conversations all the time, whether it's with students, whether it's patients, whatever it was with, I thought, right, it's natural that I become a coach because that just brings out all my teaching, all my um, passion for learning and supporting others with their learning. And yeah, so then I decided to set up my business to end workplace toxicity. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, wow, for one, but uh, your, your doctorate is in coaching? No, my doctorate is in, in resilience. Oh, wow. You can get a doctorate in resilience? It's psychological well-being, resilience, and right. so forth. Wow, so, yes, my, my research is looking at the impact of the military, of military life on the wife, because it generally is the wife, uh, during deployment. So it was during the time of Afghanistan when it was at its worst and most challenging, What, how that impacts on them as a single parent for that time. Right. So, and resilience was is absolutely key. So, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I think that there's a saying, isn't there? Or maybe I'm just making this up that resilience, you don't actually, 
you're not aware that you're building resilience because stuff is just happening to you and it's how you're dealing with it that you that's where the resilience comes from yes it's how you cope with adversity yeah and yeah. how you bounce forward i always talk about bouncing forward not bouncing back most people talk about bouncing back because you're never the same person once you've had that experience you're always different and if you think of if the last few years we are not the same people now as we were in 2020 2019 we have learned so much and realized we've got strength within us that we never knew we had so we are different so therefore i'd talk about bouncing forward to a new norm because we never we never bounce back to that previous world because we're not in that world anymore it's gone yeah 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 absolutely um just taking you back to that boardroom meeting for one more time um, the toxicity that was being displayed by this person that you en- ended up standing up to, in what form was that kind of manifesting itself? You, you mentioned that it, that he was undermining you. How did that how, how did that come about? Um, um, well, I think he'd give me this t- the practical things was I was as a part of doing a research project, which I've been working six weeks on, and he decided to go for the complete track and under and basically in one email to everyone, it completely destroyed any credibility oh, that emails. my research had. Um, and so that was one thing. I think it was the sort of um, ignoring was the other thing, you know, just, pe- you know, people in the office used to know exactly what was going on. Uh, they could see it so clearly. I'd say, good morning. And he'd ignore me, completely ignore me. But it was it's thing, it was the other things. It's like the blocking. You know, I was all about... In fact, a really good example, I was invited to be an editor on, what, on a military journal and he blocked that and said, no, I, I, you, no, you're not doing that. And I said, well, I am because I've been invited to do that. So it wasn't that I chose to do it. I'd been invited, by, which was quite an honour to be invited. So mm. it's just, it's this constant blocking me. No, you can't do that course. Blocking me to, to saying that's not appropriate. You can't do that. You, you know, you can't go and speak to these people. Just controlling completely controlling yeah and what was his reaction when you you started to to fight back for want of a a better phrase shock complete shock really right yeah yes and actually then then he became which suited me fine completely ignored me as if i didn't exist all right so you now he felt that you're undermining him yeah i say good morning i always treated him as if I could treat everyone and I purposely made sure I did so there's no there's no animosity there as far as I'm concerned Mm. and I used to literally say good morning to him in the morning and he used to completely blank me but I thought everybody could see well what's an idiotic behavior to display yeah 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 a lot more about him thinking switch completely Mm. from from being oh that shows I'm not good enough to actually this has to stop this is ridiculous yeah. And how long were you then there working with him in that environment uh, until you kind of moved on to your next? Uh, uh, um, yeah, about another year. Right. Yeah, another okay. Year. And right. actually, the funny thing was, the meeting was an hour away to our headquarters. I had to travel back in the car after the meeting with him. So it was a bit of a silent, silent conversation. Oh, oh God, right. I, I thought you were going to say you were traveling back in the car on your own and you had the music turned up and you were like, yeah, but... I was in but, the car with him. Oh, God. God, God, God. But, um, wow, I mean, you know, but I, I suppose in, in 
being a, being the optimist that I am, sometimes you have to go through these moments in order to, to so find yourself, right? I mean, I'm yeah. I'm so grateful. Every single tricky boss that I had, I always say tricky in, in brackets because we decide that they're tricky. So there's no no such thing as a tricky person. It's how we respond to them makes us decide whether they're tricky or not. Mm. So yes, I'm so grateful for every single situation because it's given me the passion that I have now and it's helped me be the person I am now. If I hadn't, if that life had been swimmingly, swimmingly easy, I wouldn't be where I am now doing what yeah. I do now, which I'm so passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're now doing, well, I mean, you're doing a, a, quite a big body of work. It's not just about uh, this, but we are focusing in on toxicity in the, in, in the workplace. So how, if somebody's listening in and have just heard your story about that and is thinking to themselves, oh, my God, that's my that's my situation. I have a situation where I have a boss who completely undermines me all the time, who ignores me when I say hello, who basically treats me as if I'm the stuff on the bottom of his shoe, and then expects me, you know, expects me to deliver my best work uh, at yeah. the same time. What what would you say? What's the first step for somebody in that moment whereby they're going? I, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I have my voice or my confidence to be able to deal with this. What? How do they get? That confidence yeah yeah so number one I would say go and seek help you know I think this is where coaching and I'm bound to say that as a coach myself but yeah. coaching can be <laughs> transformational and that's why I've had so much of my own coaching I think I'm passionate about sharing the drama triangle which some of your listeners might not have heard of but this is a model um, from the 60s um, created by Byrne and it's it's the roles that we play so we all take on roles now you might have heard of uh, when your lines are crossed so the expression where your lines cross comes from this so we all we all play different roles sometimes we're empowered adults sometimes where we roll the parent regardless of where parents or not we take on the critical parent don't do that and you, you need to do that deadline by this date or we become the caring parent how are you how are things going or we become the child, which is the fun child, having fun, sense of humour, banter. But also, we can come become the petulant child. No, I'm not doing that. And we flit around all these roles all the time until we have that awareness. What happens in the drama triangle is that we switch from, from being a critical parent, we become a persecutor. From being a stroppy child, we become a victim. And from being an empowered adult we become a rescuer. And so we we go round and round. It doesn't obviously have to be three people. It could be two people. And you see it at home at the dishwasher. You know, it's, it happens everywhere. Yeah. And so my biggest tip to those, if, if I feel really, you know, if I really feel for you, if you're going through this, and of course, very happy to have a conversation. Once you're aware of, of the games, literally the games that we play that we don't even realise we're playing, we see it very differently. We see, oh, you're just playing the role of the persecutor now. Oh, oh gosh, I nearly slipped into victim. Don't worry, I'm going to say I don't empowered adult. And as soon as you are aware of it, you feel in control and you see it for what it is as a game. And I'm not, dis not disputing how traumatic it is because I've been there with how traumatic it is. 
I'm saying is that then you take a different approach to it and see, oh, you're just in the persecutor role right now. Well, no, don't worry, I'm not going to play the victim. You ain't going to work with me today. I'm going to stay. Whatever it does is an empowered leader. And therefore, it just, this, the drama triangle can't work because you, it's like any communication. You've got to have two people playing the roles. Mm. And I realized that actually when I was back in the office, I, even though I didn't realize it, I was playing a victim all the time, not even realizing I was playing a victim role. When I was out and about doing my stuff, I was absolutely empowered adult. But as soon as I walked into that office, because of the tension created by the toxicity, I became a victim and therefore I was absolutely rife to be persecuted. Yeah. Is there a a protection mechanism as well that happens within the individual if if it's happening to them and they're in this victim mentality state with it that actually then what runs through their head or the story that they tell themselves is is that if if I actually move into this empowered adult state, that's going to undermine them they're going to sack me and that'll be the end of my job you know so by kind of running through the story in their head and coming to their automatic conclusion do you think that stops people acting upon what they feel to be the right thing to do i think actually it could be the opposite because once you realize you're a victim and you choose make a choice we always have a choice how we behave even though we don't realize we have a choice and say, right, I'm deciding I'm going to be an empowered adult. That is when we get that boost in confidence. We feel more resilient. We back it off. It's like we've put our body armor on. And therefore, we show up differently. We show up empowered and confident and give the whole energy changes. So we give out this vibe, don't mess with me. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it, it, the mental state of of us is quite the thing isn't it like to when you start getting into how much this just dominates everything always always. it's never the stories we make up in our heads and we can be our greatest bully because the way we talk to ourselves we'd never speak out aloud to everyone else like that Mm, absolutely so um from flipping that on its head and in imagining a, a situation whereby you're, you're, you're a spectator in this in terms of you can see that this is happening, you can see that somebody is, is imparting their toxicity into the workplace. Yeah. How does somebody who's playing on the sidelines get into the game to try and... Is it exactly the same sort of principle or do they have to... Pretty much they've got to put themselves into this empowered adult yeah. state as well. The, the biggest risk is that somebody comes in to rescue. And if you come in to rescue the situation, you're absolutely building on the drama triangle. Right. Because you're rescuing the victim. And therefore, and actually, ironically, when a individual becomes a persecutor, it's because they're feeling a victim. They're feeling really vulnerable, under attack. So what do they do? They lash out, whether it's emotionally or literally physically. So this is the real big warning is it's so easy. We want to save the situation, but in saving the situation, we actually end up being the rescuer. So the way to what we call the winner's triangle is to be that empowered adult where you become a coach. And I'm not saying become a coach as in literally a coach. You start asking those empowering questions. How can we make this better? What can we do differently? 
how can I make you feel good? You know, how can I help you have the skills that you need to deal with this? And then you're having a whole different empowering conversation rather than disempowering, accusing conversation. Yeah. So you're almost by stepping in, you would be causing a further problem to the situation rather than pulling the the, the individual to one side and helping them find their voice yeah. and helping you them find. Step in as an empowered adult, as a great leader. So stepping in into into this conversation as a leader and say this has to stop you know let's just take five minutes or whatever let's start communicating way more powerfully than this and so you're help you're not accusing anyone of any behavior you're just saying right let's just do things differently yeah. let's make it a good and it's it's all about having the passion to change the culture in line with your values and this is where often friction happens where different people have got different core values absolutely clash five star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time and that's exactly where rotacloud can help rotacloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors recording attendance and managing annual leave easy it's simple drag and drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes while our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out Rotacloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Yeah, and is it wrong of me to say that, that that's probably an inevitable part of someone's career is that they are going to have a situation whereby they will find somebody that they just clash with because they're they're not aligned yes of course but then the difference is once you have the awareness you can work out okay okay we don't have rapport here what can we do to get rapport what can we do to support each other so we can make work an easier place yeah all the way through you talking lizzie i'm taking note of your language it feels like language plays a major part in this because even though just the way that you're talking about stuff and the words that you're using like I feel more empowered just listening to you because the the, you're using the the I can't even I should have made a note of it as you were saying it but it was that situation where somebody has to or maybe feels like they should step in as a leader the language you used in that sentence was around um, we need to ask more powerful questions or, or whatever it was that you yeah. that you said. Yeah. These are these are things that probably don't come naturally to a lot of people. So you, you probably probably have to train yourself to be confident enough to ask the right questions in yeah, a situation that, like this. It's all about language. Language and I talk about, you know, our words are our wand. So the words we use direct what's going to happen. So, for example, if you say to yourself, I feel feel sick. You're feeling sick, therefore you're telling your subconscious, I'm sick. If you you say to yourself, I could do a little bit more sleep, for example, that's a whole different message we're giving ourselves. I'm not exhausted, I just need a little bit more sleep tomorrow night or whatever. Yeah. 
So language is absolutely key. And it's it's focusing on the language that empowers us and not disempowers us. So I get to do this. I haven't got to do it. Right. Yeah. So I'm choosing to that to do this. And choice is a really interesting thing because we always have a choice. Even though we feel we haven't got a choice, that's because we've chosen not to have a choice. It's still a choice not to have a choice, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we absolutely choose how we behave, even though we might not be aware of it. And awareness is key, because once we're aware of it, then we can change it. But most of us go like I did for years with complete blinkers on, not aware of any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So uh, flipping this on its head a little bit and turning it on to a leadership discussion, I suppose, from the perspective of an organization, because I I don't think any organization goes out there with the intention to create a toxic work environment. It sometimes happens without people knowing that it's happening. So what are the kind of the, I suppose, the early signs, really, that things might not be going quite the the way that you want them to on that front the early signs is sickness rates it's people physically leaving the organization it's present absenteeism where people are coming to work but they're actually not doing anything productive but they know they need to be there uh, because otherwise they won't get paid for example retention is another really good key these are the practical things but also what you know do people like working there and what what that you can feel I've always been very sensitive to atmospheres. You can walk into you can stand in reception of a big organization. You can sense whether it's a happy place to work or whether people are walking around in fear most of the time but not even realize they're walking around in fear. Mm. You know, and how do people address a Monday morning? Is it a place I'm excited to get to work or it's oh my god, how am I going to get through the day? Yeah. So from a leadership perspective, then, maybe something has, has happened through the, the, the fullness of you putting your organization together. And you've had, you know, there's a lot of balls to, to keep in the air, as it were. Is that the right phrase? A lot of plates yeah. to spin? Some, something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And inevitable, especially through a startup phase or something like that, where you balls will get dropped. Um, yeah. So how... If it's already happening, if it's already begun to happen, what are the steps that a business can take to kind of, I suppose, get on top of it and then move forward and eradicate it from the workplace? Because ultimately, that's yeah. and that's your goal, right? That's your goal is to eradicate toxicity from the workplace. So the first thing is is having a culture where failure is is encouraged, and I know that sounds bizarre, but one without. You, you cannot succeed without failure. You can have innovation without failure. And when and failure is always an interesting word, I always say there's no such thing as failure. It's purely feedback because it's telling us what hasn't worked and then we need to do things differently. So embracing failure. And so therefore you have a culture where people are encouraged to experiment and take a risk. And if they if it doesn't work out, they're celebrated for giving it a go, not berated because it's not worked out. So mm. the culture is absolutely key. The other thing is understanding what values of the organisation are 
and how they can be embedded in every single member of the organization. Nothing drives me more insane. When you look at somebody's website, they're always the same. Innovation, communication, authenticity, integrity, for example. And yet you can see that there's bullying going on. So therefore, there's no integrity. There's no collaboration. And it's just words on a website. So I've worked with organizations to help them identify what those values really mean to them and what do they mean to every person in the organization. And I always talk about Apple because you can go into any Apple store anywhere in the world and there is a culture within Apple of innovation and support and help. And you don't have to ask what their values are. Every single member that in my experience, I can't say everybody else's, but in my experience is their values are so embedded in every single individual. They don't need to have to write them anywhere mm. because they've they've joined that culture for its values, for its wanting to make a difference, for its wanting to create new products and innovation, for service, simplicity, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it always starts with culture and it always starts from the top, the CEO who actually creates that culture. Yeah, and, and I guess there's situations, many, many situations whereby you have a, a, a business who, because I've actually spoken about this on, on this podcast and on many other forums that I, where people care to listen to me. I get asked a lot as a recruiter about, about retention, about uh, yeah. recruitment uh, issues. And a lot of the the time for me, as businesses, they've not spent enough resource on the marketing of why you should come and work here. Yeah. Um, now that's a, that's uh, something that's got getting way way better. But it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to then back up what you're marketing. It's exactly the same principle as a guest walking into a, a hotel, and they are there because they got. Uh, something in their inbox that said you should come and join us on this weekend because we're going to be doing one two three four five things and that person goes I love all all of those five things I'm going to go to that weekend and then you get there and they're only doing one of those five things Uh, it's exactly the same principle when you're trying to attract people into your business it's uh, so you can have the greatest marketing in the world to give people the reason as to why they might engage with you in the first place but it absolutely counts for nothing if there is somebody walks through that door and the on day one, two, five, thirty, ninety, whatever, they start to get undermined and they start to, to be put in a position where they don't feel like they belong and they don't feel like they're part of it. So that's the I suppose whereby as a from a leadership perspective and what you're talking about from the top down perspective. It can't be something that's just kicked down the road and we'll deal with that at some point. It has to be almost point number one on every boardroom agenda because otherwise you don't have an organisation that's worth its salt. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting, what you've said there, there are some, I hate to say it, but there's some organisations that actually choose it to be toxic. They don't realise they're choosing it to be toxic. But this whole kind of boardroom mentality that actually I went through this, so you're going to have to go through it too. This is this is le- this is learning to be get tough, get you know get on with it, and a very kind of you know particularly 
potentially very male orientated I hate to say it but I, having said that bullying I mean I've I've experienced it from all gen both gender all genders so it's it's, it's not it's not gender specific either way mm. either for being bullied or for the bullying yeah. but I think there are certain cultures that almost like like to be known as this macho kind of we're tough we get on with it yeah. So I'm just putting my hand and realise that you can't see what I'm doing. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, for all of you wondering, Lizzie was getting quite passionate there when she was talking and she kept on hitting her own hand, yeah. reinforcing every point. Yeah. But um, yes, so ironically, that is not going to be an organisation that's interested in reducing the toxicity potentially because that's what they want to be known for. I'm not they don't want to be known for being a toxic organisation, but this whole kind of like... Yeah, we're big, we're strong. Don't mess with us. Yeah, I know the cult. Ironically, the, like all these, often the case. Those those organisations that are really passionate about culture create it through really living and breathing their values. They want you to know more about their values and and how does the how what does it, what does each value mean and how does it mean to you and how does it mean to every level of the organisation and what can we do better? Yeah, yeah, and they're not forced. As well, it just kind of as your apple analogy as a as an example, they you know that just is a natural hotbed of innovation because they're kind of almost letting it run free uh, a little bit. Yeah, because you join Apple because you want to be that person. Yeah, self perpetuate. You can see what the culture of Apple is. And therefore, and I'm sure I don't know what their vetting, pro- their recruitment process is, but I guess they would probably, I would imagine they do quite a significant, whether it's a values driven exercise or something to help or they go through a really strong onboarding process so that they, they are perpetuating the same culture. Every single individual is making a difference and given that ability to make a difference regardless of where the hierarchy they are in the organization so every single one feels they're contributing yeah i I think that the onboarding process is a is a really good point as well because even if somebody doesn't make it through day five of your 10-day onboarding process then that's good as well because you know it means that they just weren't the right fit for you and you you're better to find these things out as quickly as possible aren't you rather than yeah. Run the risk and of somebody coming in and recruiting. recruitment is huge expense. So why spend But why spend so much time on recruiting? The power of looking after the people you have. Yeah, I, totally. Do you know what? I, I have said this on this podcast, and I do genuinely mean this. My job would be done if one day the world woke up and said, "You know what? We we no longer need recruitment consultants." I, that would make me a happy man because I also know now that I could go away and do something else. But um, <laughs> it's um, that's when businesses are doing well. That's when you know this podcast exists to shine a, a light on the positive stuff that that happens in in hospitality. But it's not naive enough to know that we're perfect. We are absolutely not perfect. But what we can be is want to be better, want to fix something that's not great. And, you know, toxicity is definitely something that still exists in far too many workplaces, but it absolutely should not define what an industry is. Um, Mm. And I think for a a long time, the industry, unfortunately, has had this bad rep on the back of 
you know, this kind of, it was almost trendy to be shouty and, uh, you don't know, and that comes from high profile people and that's been spoken about before. And I know that these high profile people are trying to change as well. And that's all we can ask for. But nevertheless, we're coming from a position now whereby we have got such a wonderful opportunity, I think, to really set the record straight as to what it means to come and work in hospitality. And we could actually create the greatest work environments that exist on the planet because there's nowhere else in the world that can offer a daily dose of joy in the way that hospitality is. That's the reason it exists. Yeah. And you can tell, you can walk into different hotels and you can tell, just I can walk straight in and get the sense of the the culture just simply by whether whether the doorman's smiling for a start you know whether whether staff look happy and I remember hearing Simon Sinnott a wonderful story of in America they often have these coffee um maestro um maestros (laughs) baristas in the kind of some of them are maestros (laughs) creating all sorts of different coffees anyway the point is they have these sort of baristas in the in the foyer and he was talking to one and he always welcomed everyone and they all went there for their coffee and he used to be so passionate about his coffee and and a really, really lovely guy. And then and then he worked two days in one hotel and then he worked two days in another hotel. The other hotel was completely different culture and he said he absolutely hated it. He didn't really talk to the customers because or the clients because what was the point? Um, he just gave them the coffee when they asked for it. He used to get through the day quickly as as seamlessly as possible because it was just a horrible atmosphere none of the team ever knew him none of the managers ever asked how he was and it was just a completely stark different culture from the other hotel when all the managers would say hi how are you today how are your children all that stuff so yeah you know I think we can we can as having not been in hospitality but obviously having used it a lot you can just walk into any restaurant, any any hospitality area, and you can tell whether the staff are having are having a good time. And if they're having a good time, we as guests and clients can have a good time. But if you can feel that all the staff are miserable, it's just yeah. a horrible place to be. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, are we missing anything? We've covered off some some pretty good points is there anything glaring that you think yeah the the world needs to hear this on this point you can't say no i would say (laughs) is we have everything within us we are all absolutely awesome no one needs to be fixed there's no one who's broken it's purely the conversations we have our heads that make us feel like that so i just i just want to make that really clear and that's one of my passions to share is that you know, so often we feel we're broken. We feel the thing we, we're not able, we're not capable. We only touch a scratch surface of how our, our potential and how awesome we really are. So when things are really tough, it's it's that's when the resilience kicks in and think, right, OK, let me just keep going, keep going. What can I learn from this? And it's having that that mindset of what can I learn from this, not you know, this is a disaster, this is awful. So ask yourself all the, and also the other question to always ask yourself when things are really tough is what would I love? And that might sound a bit woo-woo, but actually that gets us out of our heads of our ego telling us we're rubbish, we're useless, and it allows our intuition to come up with some innovation. What would I love? Okay, I'd love a bit of fresh air right now. Okay, I'll go outside for five minutes, come back in, then I'll feel better. Mm. Or whatever 
So we have all the resources within us. It's just sometimes we need those conversations to realize that we do. Yeah, and I would uh, absolutely advocate the, the use of a coach in helping you get to somewhere if you feel like you're stuck. I, I am a, a walking case in point. I, I uh, enlisted the, the help of a, a coach. You and I have spoken uh, many occasions around uh, my IVF journey, which I'm, I've been open about with people. But there, are, it's an, it's it's almost inevitable. Even you know, I, I had a conversation on the podcast just a few weeks ago with uh, one of the industry legends, David Taylor, who doesn't see a coach on a daily basis and it but it's not a case of he goes to them when he's just got a problem it's a mm. case of he goes to this is what i'm thinking what do you think am i being crazy am i being silly do you know is this a good idea just sometimes somewhere to bounce what's going on in your head off somebody that's maybe uh a little bit disconnected from your life that could give you a really objective view on things and um i i would absolutely advocate the the services of a coach in terms of enhancing yeah. your your life for sure thank you and it's all about being the truest version of you it's not about dealing with the problems okay sometimes you have to unpick some stuff because we all have our childhood beliefs that become our blueprint until we unpick them uh, it's just always about being our truest truest version of who we are because once we're that person we're living and breathing that person we show up we saw we shine and therefore, the whole world is better. I know that might sound a bit woo-woo, but it's absolutely true. If we look after number one and we show up with power and presence, everything else is so much easier. Yeah, I completely agree. And I absolutely don't mind a bit of woo-woo on this show. So you're you're in good company. <laughs> um, Lizzie, if, if people have been listening to this and think, I want to engage with Lizzie, she sounds great. And you are great, by the way. Um, what's the best place for them to do that? How should they get a yeah. hold of you? Well, I'm, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So Lizzie Bernthal on LinkedIn. My business is called Release Your Potential. So my website is RY Potential. I think certainly the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn. I'm the, I'm the only Lizzie Bernthal, as far as I'm aware. So really? that's the easiest One of point. a kind. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's the easiest point. And then obviously I'm on it a lot so I can message and contact. And, and also the other thing is on my features, it's got my resilience scorecard, which is a quick two minute questionnaire to find out how resilient you are. And then I can give you personal tips to you. Um, and I do week. The other thing is I do a weekly event every Monday at 1230 called Leaders Unleashed. It's a half an hour pop in on Zoom, completely free, just to talk about all these issues and to come with any questions that you have. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Lizzie, thank you so much for, for spending some time on the show and um, on what is, I think, a really, maybe even to this day, an under-discussed topic. Uh, I think people hear the word toxicity and run a mile, but in actual fact, we need to run towards this if we're, we're going to beat it and, and get on top of it. So thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Such a joy and a privilege to speak with you. So thank you. You're very welcome. Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there we have it. I'll be forever grateful to Lizzie, not just for coming on the show, but for the work she's doing to improve workplaces all over the land. If you feel like toxicity is an issue where you are, I'd encourage you to reach out to Lizzie in absolute confidence. We'll be back next Wednesday as usual with another awesome story from hospitality. So until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.